Well, I want to begin by saying that it's good to be back in Chicago. It's good to be back home at St. Paul's. Uh, Last weekend, our family went on a quick road trip to Kentucky to see Wayne and Rebecca Harder and their family. And we left on Friday afternoon. We came back on Monday evening. So it was like two days driving and two days there. It flew by really fast. But it was great to connect with the Harders and, and to bring in the new year together They send their greetings to all of you, but it's great to be back as well. And I want to say a special thanks to Pastor Eden and his New Year's Day message last week. I I got to go back and to watch it on our church Facebook page, but it, it was a great message, a great reminder to keep the main thing the main thing and to chase after our first love. If you missed that message, you can go back, check it out. Um, It'll definitely be a blessing to you as you start this new year. Well, today I want to talk to you about uh, how to make your life better, which was the theme of the service on Christmas Day. And, And maybe you weren't there on Christmas Day and you're wondering what we were talking about. Well, Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Now, That doesn't mean that if you believe in Jesus, you'll never have cancer, you'll never get sick, you'll never have problems in life, but it does mean that your best life possible is found in God through Jesus Christ. And when Jesus talks about the best life possible, he's talking about eternal life, that you can live without the fear of death, knowing that when your body wears out, you are going to wake up in the presence of God which is not just a hope or a wish or a dream, but it's a certainty. And not only can you experience this better life in eternity, but you can experience this better life right now. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, we can be free from sin, which is any kind of behavior that harms us or any kind of choice or habit that harms us or harms the people around us, separates us from God. Friends, through Jesus, we get set free from that, and we truly get a better life. Now, whether you believe in Jesus or whether you're here this morning and you thought, well, I guess I'll check out a church today because it's the new year, and and I'm not really sure what it is that I believe, uh, well, no matter what the case might be for you this morning, I want want to show you from the Word of God how you can be guaranteed to have a better life this upcoming year. Now, that doesn't mean that all of your circumstances are going to be perfect, but what I'm talking about is measurable growth in different areas of your life. Uh, Again, I want to go back to what we talked about on Christmas Day because I want to be clear about the foundation of where this better life starts. John chapter 3, Jesus said, Number one, you must be born again. Being born again is simply the moment in your life when you believe that Jesus is God, when you admit that you need God, and when you call out to him to be your savior, that you believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead, and that because of that, he can forgive your sins, he can give you eternal life. So step one to a better life is you must be born again. Now, I want to pick right up after that because here's what the word of God says the moment that you call out to God for forgiveness of your sins. 
And, and whether you did that very recently or whether you did that 30, 40 years ago, you're going to learn something meaningful today as, as we look into the Word of God together. In fact, here is what, we say, what it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. Now, what is grace? Well, grace is undeserved favor. If someone were to break into your house and you came home and the police found them and, and, and they said, hey, you want to press charges, um, you saying not, I, no, I don't want to press charges, that is not grace, that's mercy. Grace is the police tracking them down and, and saying, hey, you're going to press charges, right? And you say, no, I actually would like to send them on an all-expenses paid vacation to Disney World. You see, that's grace. It's undeserved favor. It's not only covering our mistakes, but it gives us what we don't deserve, which is how we get right with God. It's what Jesus did on the cross for us. It's how we are saved. It happens the moment that we believe. And did you, uh, you don't have to give any money. You don't have to do any good deeds. You just have to believe that you need Jesus and his life-giving payment for you on the cross. God says that you can't take credit for this because it's not really your work. It's just something that you have received. Uh, kind of like a Christmas gift. You, you just receive it. You didn't earn it. You just opened it. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that you have done. I love how God spells that out so clearly here because our temptation is to believe that in order to be right with God, we have to be good people. And God certainly wants us to live good lives, but that's not how you get right with God. Because Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. And this is not saying that you are not proud of being part of the family of God, but it is saying that you don't get the credit for being saved. That you can't say that it was because of you and how spiritual you were or how religious you were, but it was because of how amazing Jesus is. And when you start following him and you start, uh, cha he starts changing you in your relationships and your careers and your, um, your finances and all of these different areas and things of your life. And people start saying, wow, what's so different about you? You say, well, it was Jesus. He's the one who changed me. <coughs> Excuse me. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. It says this. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The idea here is of some amazing work of art, a masterpiece that from all eternity past, God has been crafting you. The color of your eyes, the traits of your personality, the family that you're going to be raised in, the, the, your soul and your spirit. And as God's masterpiece, you are now being made new. You are renewed, recycled, refreshed, reborn, born again in Christ Jesus. 
And why did God do this? Well, in addition to connecting you to him and giving you eternal life and forgiving your sin, he did this so that you could do the good things that he planned for you long ago. So we, we don't do these good things in order to get God to, uh, to get to God or to earn his blessing. But once we get to God and we receive our new identity, we are now scrubbed, cleaned, uh, equipped to actually go into the world and to serve and to give and to invite and to share the good news of Jesus Christ with other people and to be a blessing. What I have found personally in my life is that when you do discover the good things that God has prepared beforehand for you to do, you'll find that it is the most fulfilling thing in all of life. It is more fulfilling than going to Disney World. It is more fulfilling than getting a promotion. It is more fulfilling than buying a new car. When you discover what God has created you to do, it is the most fulfilling thing in all of life. In fact, I'd like to say it this way. We're going to put it on the screen. God gives you new life for a purpose. God gives you new life for a purpose. As a result, the better life that you long for is not so much something that you achieve, but rather it is something that you discover and uncover. That God has already designed it, he's woven it into the fabric of the universe, a path for you, a path that includes the good things that help other people, a path that is unique to you. And so the better life, it begins the moment that you believe in Jesus, but the better life grows and it continues and it grows as you discover what God has created you to do. <clears throat> Which leads me to a question that I want us to dig into today. Where do you want your life to get better in this new year? Where do you want your life to get better in this new year? Now, in order to kind of help us think through some different areas in our lives here, I have a graphic that we're going to put on the screen. And I've been doing a lot of driving this past weekend, and so I just had to put this on a wheel of a car. But, but, but I just want you to think through these different areas of your life. And as you think about this, this is what I want you to consider. We, we, we've got a brand new year in front of us. Where do you want your life to get better? Maybe there is a pain in one of these areas that you just want to alleviate that pain. Or maybe there is an opportunity in one of these areas and you want to take advantage of that opportunity. Is it your vocation? Now, vocation just is a whole lot more than just your work. God wants you to have a vocation in life where it, it's not just like, hey, I have to do this thing in order to pay the bills, but I hate every day of it. He, he has a calling for you. He has a career for you. Maybe you're a retiree. Maybe you're a student. Maybe you are a, uh, maybe God has you at home and you're raising children and that's your vocation. Maybe there, this is just an area in your life where you say, I want to grow in this. I want to make this better this year. How about uh, your family, uh, your relationships? Uh, may, maybe your spouse uh, you, is where you say, you know what, I just want to make a concerted effort this year to love my wife better, my husband better, uh, to work on that relationship, to grow in it, to strengthen it. 
Maybe it's a child, maybe it's a relative, a coworker, a neighbor, a friend, where you just want to improve that relationship. I want you to think about this once for your own benefit. Where do you want to see an improvement over the next year? Maybe it's in your finances. Maybe you're just dreading the credit card statement that is coming soon after Christmas with all of these things on, these bills on it, where you're saying, I don't know how we're ever going to pay this thing off. And wouldn't it be great if you had a life where you were living on less than what you made? And so you were free and you were free to save and you were free to bless other people. Wouldn't that be great? Maybe it's your physical health. Maybe it's your inner life where you think, you know what? I just want to experience more peace, more contentment, more joy. Maybe it's your uh, spiritual life. And I, I, I want to suggest to you, though, here, just like this wheel, there has to be a balance in all of these areas. Uh, for example... Maybe you're doing great at work, that you're making a bunch of money, but your inner life or your uh, home life is just a mess. It is a wreck, and you're just kind of limping along, and you got this wobble in your wheel. Or maybe you've got uh, just your physical life is all together, but your spiritual life is a wreck. You're working out six days a week, and you are strong, and you are built, and you feel great, but your inner life, your inner peace, it, it's, it, it feels like you are so distant from the Lord. Listen, you need a balance in these areas of your life. And, and so th- this is going to look different for each of us. But, but for you, what area of your life do you want to see God work in you this next year, this, this current year that we're in right now? If you could see measurable improvement in one of these areas, which one would you pick? And then ask God to specifically begin a work in that area of your life. We have another graphic that we're going to put on the screen here. It's a little bit different than the last one. It's similar, but it has a cross there in the middle of this one. Because what I have found is that when you put Jesus at the center of your life, when, when you put the word of God as your standard for what you do and what you believe and how you make your choices in life, and if when it comes to your finances, you say, you know what, God, I, I, what do you tell me to do with my money? And then when it comes to your marriage, you say, God, what, what do you tell me to do with my marriage? And in your relationships and in your vocation and all of these other areas of your life, if you will ask God to show you what to do, then you do what it is that he tells you to do. You will see growth. You will see improvement in one area of life at a time. And as each month and each year goes by, Sometimes you you will have to make some really difficult choices. Sometimes you're going to have to die to yourself over some things. But you you get to see this gradual growth taking place. And so, yes, the life that God has for you in Jesus is salvation, but it's so much more than that. It, It makes a difference right now. And as you read the word of God and as you commit to being around the people of God and engaging with the people of God, and as you obey God, it will impact your life in tangible ways and you will see yourself growing. Well, I think that we would all agree, no matter what our background is, that a better life comes from better choices. 
The irony is, is that every diet plan and with uh, most financial plans, that people walk in and they already know what food not to eat and they already know what food to eat. They, they already know that if they spend less money than they make, then they're probably going to have some money in the bank. And if they spend more money than what they make, they probably won't. Well, we all know that, but isn't the struggle not in the knowing, but in the choosing? The problem is in the choosing. Here's the question. How do you find the power to make better choices? Because the fact is that you probably already know some of the choices that you need to make to improve these areas of your life. But, but how do you find the power to make those better choices in your relationships or in your finances or in your career? Well, this is the beauty of being born again, because before we're born again, our behavior is what shapes our identity. That, that if we uh, do good things, we're told that we're good. If we do bad things, then we're told that we're bad. If our team wins a championship, we're told that we're winners. If our team loses the championship, we feel like a loser. Before we were born again, our identity is uh, dependent upon us and what it is that we do. And so if we have a bad day or we mess up or we're good and we do something bad, all of a sudden that affirmation is gone. And it, it's such a heavy weight to wake up every morning and to have to perform like we're at the Olympics every single day. Now, I'm not saying that our choices don't matter, but I, what I'm saying is that the most important choice that you can make is to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. Because when you believe in Him, not only does He save you, but He gives you a totally new identity. I've got a graphic that we're going to put on the screen so that you can kind of visualize this once, but because of your new identity, you are a son, you are a daughter of the king. You have been forgiven, you've been bought with a price, you're eternally secure, you're a new creation, you are loved, you belong, you are a masterpiece in God's eyes. This is who you are. And because this is who you are, it affects the way that you believe or the way that you behave. It affects the way the choices that you make, that you make, it causes you to make better choices. And those better choices lead to living a better, more fulfilling life in the way that you behave. In fact, here is what we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And just like an acorn that starts uh, to grow roots and to sprout into a tall oak tree when it gets watered and when it gets sunlight and it gets nourished, we grow as well as we spend time in God's word and we participate in worship services and Bible studies at church. And as we find ways to serve and to get plugged into kingdom work. And over time of doing these things, you, you see yourself grow and that new nature gets a rootedness in your life. Friends, it is amazing that when you stay faithful to the Lord, when you follow and obey him, how all of these different areas of your life can be impacted. 
And so whether you are a brand new believer or whether you've been a believer for 80 years, I want to take some time here this morning to just remind you of the promises of this new identity that you have in God through Jesus Christ. And, and, and when you know this new identity, it will empower you to make better choices so that you can experience the, better, the best that God has for you in this area of your life where you say, you know what, God, I want you to work on this in my life this year. I want you to see this for yourself. And so if you have a Bible today, I want to invite you to join me in Psalm 139. Psalm 139 is where we're going to spend a few moments here. Here's the first promise that you should know. In God, you are accepted. In God, you are accepted. We, we all long for acceptance, and sometimes that can be dangerous because we move to a new city, a new neighborhood, a new school, and it just um, we latch on to the first people that accept us and affirm us. And the first people who accept us and affirm us, though they may not always be the healthiest people for us. And probably most of us, if you, you can think back over some of those seasons in your life, you can find at least one season in your life where you had some people in your life who you were hanging out with and had a lot of fun with, but they weren't the best people for you. And, and, and listen, we all long for acceptance, but what we need to know as a follower of Jesus is that we have this acceptance in God. Now, hopefully, you're experiencing this acceptance in the church as well, because we're to be a reflection of God, even though it is imperfect. Uh, but in God, you have this uh, perfect acceptance. In fact, I want you to look at what it says there in Psalm chapter 139, beginning in verse 1, the psalmist says, O Lord, you have searched me and know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Listen, the, the psalmist here says that God knows you, that, that he is watching you, that he cares about you and that he loves you. And, and if you don't know Jesus, the thought that God is watching you might seem like a very scary thought. But when you know Jesus and you know that, well, well, God sees me through the lens of Jesus' work on the cross, it brings a whole different perspective. And it's such a comfort to know that God is watching over you like a parent lovingly watches over a child. Verse 4. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Friends, God knew every word that you were going to say before you ever said it. He knew every sin that you would ever commit before you ever committed it. And he still chose to love you. You know, I've noticed with young couples who are newly married that it is not uncommon for one of them to come and to say, you know, my spouse is totally different now. That we were dating and when we were uh, engaged, they, they were a totally different person than they are right now. 
Again, it's a pretty common thing because couples, when they're dating, they're trying to put their best foot forward and they think, well, hey, you know what? If this person knows this about me, they're not going to want to be with me anymore. And so they hide those things and they try to conceal those things. But, but do you realize that God knows all of those things and he still likes you? He still loves you. In fact, he knows all of those faults. He knows all of your sins that you'll ever commit. And he still places his hand of blessing on your life. And so when you want to make your life better, don't run away from God. Don't run far from him, but run towards him. And when he tells you in an area of your life to do something that is very uncomfortable, you can still trust him. Because he sees more than you do, he knows better than you do, and he has been at this far longer than you have. He knows what is best for you, and he knows what you need. There's a second promise that I want you to see here, and it's that in God, you are intended. In God, you are intended. You're not an accident you've uh, maybe you've grown up feeling like you were an accident that you uh, don't belong but but you just need to know that you are not an accident to God that God intended you that he intended to create you he intended to design you you are fearfully and wonderfully made verse 13 for you formed my inward parts you knit me together in my mother's womb I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. I know that my my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. We've got a picture that we're going to put on the screen here, but I want you to just imagine for a moment that you are in an airplane and you are flying over a remote island and you're in this small plane. It's just you and the pilot, but you're flying over this uh, remote island and you look down on the beach and you see this S-O-S and it's written in sticks and stones there on the sand. Well, the, the, the pilot, uh, you point this out to the pilot and you say, hey, um, look at that. And he says, oh, isn't that interesting? And he just keeps right on flying. And you say, well, aren't you going to call the Coast Guard or aren't you going to call this in? Make you, maybe you should, we should try to land here and help these people out. And he says, ah, I mean, billions of waves and thousands of years and rocks and stones. And I mean, sometimes they just wash up like that on the shore, right? And maybe you kind of laugh at that. But, uh, you know, forming three letters, it takes intelligent design. This doesn't just happen by accident. Do you realize that the complexity of your body is way more than three letters like this? And even the best technology that we have can't come up with stuff like being able to heal itself. You know, uh, the human body can, though. I mean, you get a cut today and, and the, it scabs over and uh, a, day, a few days later, a week later, maybe a month later, you've got all new skin there. Listen, somebody designed that. Somebody designed you. And every tiny little cell in your body carries a whole bunch of information, 
DNA, we call it. Well, uh, do you know that there is enough DNA in just one cell to fill a thousand books, 600 pages long each? That's each cell has that kind of information in it. How many cells does the average human body have? Well, uh, about 15 trillion cells in it. Listen, the beauty of who you are did not come from mere accident. God designed it. God created it. I, I just love what God says to the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 5. He says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated you. Before uh, I appointed you a prophet to the nations. We often think that it was our mom who was the first person who knows us, but God knew us far before that. He knew us before we were even formed in our mother's womb. And the bottom line is that you have value because God said it. At the cross, God proved it, and nobody can refute that. And so, as you make better choices in that area of your life, you don't need to make those better choices to try to prove uh, you're worth something to somebody else. You don't have to prove uh, someone else wrong. You can make those better choices because you are worth loving. You are worth caring for. God wants you to live in freedom. He wants you to experience the better life. He wants you to fulfill the purposes, the good works that he created you to do in this world. There's a third promise that I want you to see here, and it's that in God, you are gifted. In God, you are gifted. Now, when you hear that, you might... uh, uh, think that it's prideful to think that you are gifted, but the fact is that everybody's been gifted. And particularly, that is true for everyone who is a believer in Jesus Christ. Because the moment that you were born again and, and given a new life, God gives you what is called what He calls spiritual gifts. Things like teaching and giving and hospitality and service and administration and mercy. There are all of these gifts. When you trust in Jesus, God gifted you specifically for the good works that he prepared for you to do. Again, Psalm 139 in verse 14 says, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. Uh, Again, um, I've got a bit of a silly illustration here for you. Uh, if you're super smart, you may already know these things, but uh, I've got three examples uh, of things here that you've probably seen in your daily life, but maybe you didn't know or weren't aware of some of the features that they have. Here's the first picture. When, when you're in a rental car or maybe you're borrowing somebody else's car, you're, you're thinking like, where is the, you, you need some gas. You think like you go to the gas station, what side is the gas tank on? I mean, I've done this before where I've just opened my door and I'm looking out of the, the car. I'm looking back to the back and I'm trying to find out where is my gas tank at? And um, the, the, the thing that I've uh, almost experienced a few times is I've actually almost fallen out of the car trying to do that. But uh, actually, there's a little bit of a hack here. On most cars, there is a tiny little arrow that is next to the gas logo and it tells you which side to fill the gas tank on. Now, 
For those of you who already knew that, well, good for you. I'm not very observant, um, but recently I learned that. And now I don't have to fall out of my car when I'm trying to uh, fill my gas tank up anymore. Okay, how about this next picture? Some of you enjoy drinking pop or soda or Coke or uh, whatever it is that you want to call it. Uh, you drink this out of a can. And um, you, you know there's that little tab. You know what it's designed to do? You're supposed to spin it around. And you put your straw down in there so that it doesn't bounce back and forth, so it doesn't bounce all over the place. I had no idea that that's what that was for. Well, I've got one last picture here. And um, you, you, did you know when you, um, you have saran wrap or foil, uh, those little boxes, those little rolls, and you try to uh, pull it out and the roll comes out and falls all over the place and it's a real mess? Well, did you know that there's actually these little push tabs on each end of the box? And so you push those things in and it's supposed to anchor that cardboard cylinder piece that's in the middle so that it won't pop out of the box. I mean, isn't that kind of cool? These features that most people don't even know about. Listen, in some ways, God is like that, that he has designed us, created us, in order to give us over, uh, overall significance and purpose in life. And, and, and apart from Jesus' work in us, we are not even aware of the special gifts that he has given us. Uh, friends, when you are born again, when, when you are, uh, have given this, uh, you're given this new opportunity, this new life, one day at a time, one week at a time, we get to then experience this better life that God has planned for us through the giftedness that he has given to us. And I'm telling you that when you find that gift and you start using that gift, it's the most fulfilling thing in all of life. And you get to wake up every day and you get to look for opportunities to use that gift. And you know, this is what I was created for. Last weekend when I was in Kentucky, I was driving past a farm and uh, there was this dog, this German shepherd or something like that. And it was just in an all out sprint running as fast as it could. And I was, I was kind of watching this thing, stretching its muscles in this full speed sprint. And, and I thought, wow, that is what God wants for every person. He wants us running in the path of his commands. He wants us galloping in the good things that he has prepared for us to do. We have been designed with a purpose. We have one life to discover with God's help this purpose or to just kind of fight against that. Well, there's a fourth promise here um, about your identity in Jesus. In God, you are guided. In God, you are guided. God guides and supports you uh, when you seek him, and he will do this in every year of your life and also in every season of your life. I, I, I didn't realize this as a teenager as much as I do now, but there are seasons in life. You know, you have your middle school season, your high school season, and you, your college season, and then your 20s and your 30s. And, and here's the thing. Once you have finished one season, you can't go back and repeat that. You can't go back and do it over. And, and that can be fun for a while, but after a few seasons have gotten behind you, you start thinking to yourself, well... I better start uh, getting uh, something out of these seasons. I better start getting these seasons right because I don't have a chance to go back and do a do-over on this. Well, the beauty is that in God, 
you get a guide that will support you and lead you through every season, through your 18s and 19s, through your 80s and 90s. If you seek God consistently and you submit to him, he will lead you along his good path. In fact, here is what we're told in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. There are ways that we can discover God's plan, his path his desire for our lives. He's not trying to hide these things from us. In fact, he wants to guide us so that we can experience the better life. In fact, as we wrap up here this morning, I want to go back to that wheel that we looked at earlier. I want to put it back on the screen for just a few moments here. I asked you earlier to identify one of these areas that you could grow in this year. And I want you to just think about this for a moment. Listen, If you will set the direction of your life by saying, I am going to commit this year as a habit of my life to regularly be in the house of God on a weekly basis. I am going to actively be involved with the people of God. I am going to read the word of God. You will discover what God has to say about your vocation, about your marriage, about your parenting, about your finances, about your relationships. But as you read and listen to what God has to say, you will have a choice to make. And if you will do what God says, you will be amazed at how all of these other areas of your life are impacted. You'll be amazed at the better life that you can experience when you trust in him and follow him and when you obey him. Let's pray.